0: Chapter twenty of the Curious Quest by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 20. He was awakened by the flash of a lantern on his face and sat out blinking. The man to whom, even in those few minutes of half-dazed awakening, he took an instinctive dislike, was standing by the side of the car. He was clean-shaven, with round face, small eyes, bull-necked, and, notwithstanding the lateness of the hour, he was still wearing riding-clothes. His whole appearance was curiously reminiscent of the race-course. In his hand he held a large tumbler filled with whisky and soda. "'Wake up, young fellow,' he enjoined. "'You'll get rheumatism sleeping there on a damp night like this.' "'For me?' "'Bliss asked, stretching out his hand toward the glass. "'Whisky and soda,' the man replied. "'You look like as though you could do with it.' "'Bliss took a long drink. "'Then he sat up in his seat. "'What about my young lady?' "'Going to spend the night here,' the man said. "'She sent you this,' the man added, "'producing a sovereign, and you're to go on to Crawley. "'That's ten miles as straight as you can drive, "'and put up there at the bull's head.' "'And what then?' "'She'll come on tomorrow afternoon, or rather this afternoon. Uh, Her brother will drive her in, most likely.' "'Does her brother live here?' Bliss inquired. "'He does,' the other replied, "'though I don't know what business it is of yours.' Bliss rose in his place and stretched himself. Then he descended, turned the handle of the car, and reseated himself. His fingers were upon the change-gear— His foot upon the clutch. It had not occurred to him to doubt the authenticity of his instructions. Then, just as he was about to start off, he happened to glance towards his companion to wish him good night, and a new and most disturbing thought flashed into his mind. The man's expression was astounding. The narrow eyes seemed to have drawn closer together, his parted lips disclosing two rows of yellow, ill-shaped teeth gave him the appearance of a criminal gloating over some anticipated success. Bliss, thoroughly awake now, sat for a moment in his seat hesitatingly. Finally he thrust in his clutch. Good night, he said. Good night, Mm -hmm. the other replied. Don't forget, the bull's head at Crawley. Bliss travelled for a mile along the level road, Then he turned back, and as silently as possible returned to his original position. He extinguished the lights, and descending, made his way to the gate, opened it softly, and, taking care to keep on the grass border, cautiously approached the house, which appeared to be about fifty yards away, a low, unpretentious building, with a long line of outhouses in the rear, which at first sight puzzled him. There was a single light burning in one of the downstairs windows, and towards this he made his way. As he drew nearer he could see the shadows of three persons. The window was uncurtained and unshuttered. The house itself, he was beginning to realise, had a deserted, almost a forsaken appearance. He crossed a weed-grown drive, stepped upon an empty flower bed, and peered into the room The young lady was there, standing in the middle of the hearth-rug, with one hand resting upon the chimney-piece. The man who had brought him the whisky and soda was listening to what she was saying with a scowl upon his unpleasant face. Lounging in an easy-chair a little further away was a younger and darker man. Notwithstanding his dissipated appearance and weak mouth, Bliss recognised at once his likeness to the girl whom he had brought down. The young man raised his head and began to speak. Bliss found, to his surprise, that every word was audible. He looked up and discovered that the window was open at the top. "'What I should like to know is what you're doing here anyhow, Katie,' the former exclaimed peevishly. "'You leave me with scarcely a word of excuse, without any sufficient reason.' "'Stop,' the girl interrupted. "'I had every reason. "'I left you because I dislike your partner.' "'Sam Brownlee. There need be no concealment about it. Our father trained horses here and made a name for himself. That name, Jack, you might have kept, and could have done if you had been content to run straight.' "'And who said I am not running straight?' the young man demanded. "'I say so,' the girl replied boldly. "'I say that if you had meant to run straight you would never have taken a partner like that.' She turned her back upon the other man in contemptuous disregard for his voluble and profane remonstrances. Her brother sprang to his feet. "'Look here, Kate,' he expostulated, "'I'm sorry you and Brownlee don't hit it, but it's my business, and Brownlee's the man I've chosen to help me in it. Now will you kindly explain what the dickens you mean by coming down here in the middle of the night? Cut it short and tell us what you want, anyhow.' i want to know she announced firmly why you are running mr pontifex for the new market cup tomorrow and why you have both backed him for more money than you have ever owned in your lives there was a moment's silence brownlee spoke up now his voice was hoarse almost savage where did you get hold of this cock-and-bull story he demanded never mind how i heard it the girl replied I know very well that you have backed the horse for as much as you dared through the usual channels, and you've backed it for a great deal more outside. You've brought the price from a hundred to one to a hundred to eight, and yet on paper anyone who knows anything about racing knows that the horse cannot possibly have a chance. So you've come down here in the middle of the night to ask me this, her brother observed, uneasily. Well, my reply's is simple enough. "'It isn't your money,' I backed the horse with, "'and it isn't your business.' "'It's my business,' the girl insisted, "'to see that you keep straight, Jack, "'and there's something on my mind that I have got to get rid of. "'I have come down here not only to ask this question, "'but I'm going to see Mr Pontifex.' "'What the mischief do you want to see the horse for?' "'the young man asked quickly. "'Never mind why I wish to see it.' "'I'm going to, so you may as well make up your mind to it.' The two men exchanged glances. Uh, "'Better stay the night, and you can go round to the stables in the morning,' her brother suggested. "'Thank you,' she answered. "'Nothing would induce me to spend a night under this roof. You seem to forget the circumstances under which I left it.' She threw a glance at Brownlee, who laughed brutally. "'I don't want to lose my temper, Jack.' she went on. "'You're my brother, and I mustn't forget it, although you seem to when you let that brute insult me. However, are you going to show me Mr. Pontifex or not?' The younger man rose to his feet, frowning. He drew Brownlee on one side. The girl watched them suspiciously. Then Brownlee left the room, and the brother and sister lowered their voices. Bliss moved a little further back into the avenue. He was puzzled. The girl had distinctly said that she had no idea of spending the night there, yet his orders had been to leave her. While he hesitated, he saw the three of them emerge from the house by the side door, cross the strip of lawn together, and pass through a gate into the courtyard in front of the long line of stables. Almost immediately he saw the electric light flash out. He stood and watched. They disappeared into one of the stalls, and were absent for nearly twenty minutes. He heard Bramley's hoarse voice as they passed near the bushes behind which he stood. "'For God's sake, muzzle-damn fool!' he exclaimed excitedly. "'I tell you, Jack, if anyone hears the rubbish she's talking, we're ruined, man!' "'Ruined? You most certainly will be,' the girl said firmly. "'If you try on a game like this!' "'Don't be a fool!' her brother answered." "'There isn't a living person except you "'who can say that that horse you've seen is not Mr Pontifex. "'There isn't a soul who doesn't believe that Prince George was shot. "'We had it done here, a vet was present, and it was all in the papers. "'Why, even the vet, even Jex, the stable lad, "'couldn't have told the two horses apart, "'and they were the same age to a week. "'Don't be an idiot, Kate. "'It's a clear thirty thousand pounds for us, "'and five for you if you keep your mouth shut.' They passed into the house, all talking together. Bliss, with a little shrug of the shoulders, turned back down the avenue and mounted once more into the car. He had stumbled onto a conspiracy of some sort, and there were certain features about it which made him a little uneasy. His own weariness, however, made him almost callous as to what was happening. Once more he dozed off. He awoke with a start. The morning was breaking, and it seemed to him that it was colder than ever. Close at hand, down the avenue, he heard the girl's flying footsteps. Behind, he could distinguish the voice of her brother. "'Don't be a fool, Brownlee. Keep your hands off her. Uh, She'll come back when she finds the car gone.' "'If she gets away,' Brownlee exclaimed, "'we're done, I tell you. We must keep her here, locked up. Damn it! I'll take care of it myself.' "'I'll see she tells no tales.' She suddenly turned the corner and gave a little cry of relief when she saw Bliss, who was already starting the engine. She leapt into the car. "'Drive off!' she begged. "'Drive off! They told me you had gone. Thank God you were here!' Bliss sprang past her into his seat, and they glided off. Just then the two men appeared at the gate. They heard Brownlee's roar of anger. "'That damned chauffeur's come back!' "'He thundered. "'They're off, you fool, Jack! "'Why didn't you look after her?' "'Kate! Kate!' her brother shouted. "'Come back! "'We'll talk it over with you!' "'They were out of hearing almost directly, "'rushing across the heath. "'The girl had lowered her veil. "'Bliss had an idea that she was crying. "'He drove steadily on until he came to a turning to the left. "'Then he drew up. "'Why are you stopping?' she asked. "'He looked straight before him. I thought perhaps you would like to go back to Newmarket, he suggested, by the lower road. She raised her veil. Why? I had been playing the spy, he explained. It really was in your interest, though. The man, Brownlear, who I presume is your brother's partner, came out with a whisky and soda for me, and ordered me to go to Crawley, said that you wouldn't want me again. Something about the fellow made me suspicious. I don't know why." I pretended to drive off, and I returned. She leaned a little forward. Her face was no longer hard, and her eyes were full of gratitude. Thank heaven! she murmured. Go on, please. When I got back, he continued, I didn't know what to do, so I came up towards the house. I saw a light in that back room, and I crept quite close. The window was open at the top, and I— "'Heard a great deal. I heard you talk as you came back from the stable-yard.' "'How much do you know?' she asked. "'Well, I gathered,' he went on, "'that they've got a horse there supposed to be worthless, "'which really is Prince George. "'Prince George was reported to have gone dead lame, "'and to have been shot last February. "'It's a clever dodge. "'I remember it was tried some six years ago, before my time.' "'Prince George is entered for the race tomorrow as Mr. Pontifex, and, of course, he'll win.' "'You've got the whole story,' she admitted in a low tone. "'Only when I tried to plead with my brother, "'he isn't really bad. He has been led away by that man. "'He was more brutal than I could have believed. "'The thought of the money has turned his brain. "'He left me alone with Brownlee. The man is a beast.' "'I got frightened. He tried to lock me up. Then I ran away.' "'And here we are,' Bliss remarked. She nodded. "'What are you going to do?' he inquired. "'I don't know,' she replied. "'I was so relieved at getting away. That man—I'm not a coward, but I was frightened to death. Jack had gone and—' Her hand suddenly went to her face. Bliss, though he was cold and weary— "'felt a thrill of fierce anger. "'The Blackguard!' he muttered. "'She cried for a moment or two, quietly. "'I'll tell you what I suggest,' Bliss said. "'We'd better go back to Newmarket by this lower road. "'You'll be quite safe at the hotel there. "'You can send a note up to your brother "'and say that you're going to be at the races. "'Tell him that if Prince George runs, "'you'll report the matter to the stewards.' "'It will ruin Jack!' she sighed. "'But I shall have to do it. Will you go back to Newmarket then, please?' Her tone was almost humble. Her manner had completely changed. Bliss turned into the by-road, and they drove off into Newmarket, about five o'clock. "'Good-night, and thank you so much,' she said, as she turned to follow a chambermaid to her room. "'I shall write that note before I go to bed. The night-porter will take you to your quarters.' "'I hope you will sleep well.' "'What time shall you require me again, madam?' Bliss asked. She hesitated. "'Will you be ready to take me up to the course, please, "'in time for the first race?' "'Certainly, madam.' At ten minutes to two on the following afternoon, Bliss and the young lady, who had become his temporary employer, stood up side by side in the car, with their eyes fixed upon the number-board. There was a great crowd— although for a moment a curious silence reigned it seemed as though everyone were waiting for the hoisting of the numbers they're going up bliss muttered slowly the great black board with its white lettering was hoisted into position his companion gripped bliss's arms number 8 she gasped number 8 look for number 8 it isn't there bliss assured her it isn't you can see for yourself There was a murmur of voices, and then came the roar from the bookmaker's enclosure. She suddenly sat down, and man who had been standing by their side lowered his glasses. "'Mr. Pontifex isn't running after all, I see,' he remarked to a bystander. "'What the dickens was he ever backed for? I can't imagine. He never had an earthly.' The girl glanced towards Bliss, and he understood." He turned the car around, and they left the race-course. "'Where to, madam?' "'I don't know,' she answered, leaning back. "'Somewhere into the country, somewhere a long way from here. I'll stop you presently.'" End of chapter 20